0: as we uh, um, celebrate Resurrection, uh, the Easter season, we it, it, it marks the end of something we've been doing as a church since Ash Wednesday. In our church, we've been leaning into the idea of how do we become more like Christ? How, how do we how do we take the character of Jesus? Those things we admire in Him, His. his obedience to His Father, the, the relationships that He nurtured while on earth, the justice that He fought for, the, the sacrifice He was willing to make in order to draw us near. How do we take those, uh, those aspects of Jesus' life and how do we live into them? I said that in, in previous years in church, the, the Lenten season was a time of, of learning and understanding to be consummated on Easter Sunday as new converts came and were baptized, and those of us who had already believed would renew our faith. And in that season, what, as you look in the mirror and as you evaluate, am I living like Jesus? All of us come up wanting. Every single one of us have things. I'd like to say just a thing, but things that get in the way of us living our life in a way that honors God, that reflects who He is. It's only by the grace of God that we are able to achieve what He has for us. Too many times we've turned the Christian message into a moralistic behavior standard that if you try hard and are a good person and make God happy, then He will love you and you'll go to heaven. That's not the story at all. The story is you've not you've not lived the way you're supposed to. You continue to make mistakes. But God has accomplished for you what you can accomplish for yourself. He has paved the way for you to have a relationship with His Father. It's not about what you do. It's what He's already done. And that's what we're going to focus on uh, this morning is the most wonderful thing that He's done for us was open the doors of eternity, was defeat the powers of sin and evil once and for all, and pave the, the road for us to have a lasting, loving relationship for eternity. The what of Easter we're all familiar with. Everyone knows the story. Even people who don't go to church knows the story. The greatest story ever told. We, we, you, for people who have gone to church too many times. Uh, and on Easter Sunday, I, I realized this this week as I was preparing. You know, Easter and Christmas sometimes are hard because it's always the same sermon. Uh, it's it's always the same sermon matter, right? And so you try to keep it. Uh, funky and everything, which you don't need to do. It's a message that just needs to be repeated. But in trying to to come up with something, it, it dawned on me. I don't need to do anything else. And we don't need to talk about the what as much as the why of resurrection. The what, everybody knows, right? The what is that Jesus allowed himself to be beaten and brutalized Killed on a cross, was crucified, dead and buried, and the third day he rose from the dead. That's the what, but the why? Why? Why does that matter? Too many times on a on a holiday like this, Christians will come and evaluate the service on how we told the what of the story, right? Oh, they told the story well. That was a good, ser- good sermon. And he wore a suit. Oh, good. Some of you that your parents drug you here or your grandma told you you had to come if you were going to eat lunch today. <laughs> you will leave and you'll say it wasn't that bad. He didn't talk all that long and the choir was good, right? So, <laughs> and then for the skeptics, it's,
1: well, I didn't die from it, but I don't know what it has to do with me. I don't want to talk about the what. Today, the what
0: is assumed the what is we believe that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead He has ascended to heaven and he sits at the right hand of God the Father from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead we That is an established belief system here. If that astonishes you, come talk to me later we'll share that we'll share in that that good news so you can understand it better. We're not going to talk about that, but we're going to talk about the why. So what difference does the resurrection make? What, what is it that it does in my life? Why is it that from the, the day that this happened until now, people all over the world have marked this day as the most important day? Why is it? Of every language. And in times of persecution and in times of, of your life being put on the line for believing in this, in, this, in this doctrine, why would people continue to grasp and hold on to it? We're going we're gonna to remind ourselves of the what by reading the Gospel of John.
1: I'm going to be in chapter 20 beginning in verse 1. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came
0: to the tomb and found the stone that had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put Him. Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stood and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up, lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then, they
1: still hadn't understood the Scriptures that said, Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she
0: stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you put him and I'll go get him. Mary, Jesus said. And she turned to him and cried out, "Rabone," which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go and find my brothers and tell them. I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave them His message. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We start, we pick up the story in a dark place. Literally dark. It was early in the morning. Mary had gotten up to finish a gruesome task that she didn't have the chance to complete
1: on the horrific day it happened. Mary had a grief-stricken heart. She probably didn't
0: even have to wake herself up to get up. She probably was restless throughout the night, hurting and grieving over what was
1: happening and what was going on. A couple days before, she had watched her Savior, her Lord, her friend, her master, the one-the
0: one who had spoken new life for her, the one that, for the first time, didn't judge her by her past, but invited her into a friendship and a holy friendship, one who wasn't worried about her past but talked more about her bright future, one in which, for the first time in her life, she felt a hope and an expectation, she could see a future that that she could have
1: never imagined before. And that Jesus was at the center of that. But now Jesus was dead. And with Jesus' death, the dreams went away too. The hope, the expectation.
0: You can imagine her surprise when she got there and the and the, the stone was rolled away. And without even checking, she runs to find the guys the ones who had been hiding ever since Jesus had been crucified. I find it interesting that so many times in the church there's been arguments about women in ministry, and yet we find in the resurrection story and the story of Holy Week where women were the ones that stuck around the cross, took care of the body, showed up the next morning to do it. It was the guys who ran off and hid. Where, where, Monica, where's Monica? <laughs> um. <laughs> but Mary pits the guy's John Peter race there. They look inside. They see the stuff. John says he looked in, saw the empty tomb, saw the wrappings, and he saw and believed. I'm not questioning whether he really believed, but I'm questioning if he really understood because the next sentence is, then he went home. I don't think if he really understood what the empty tomb meant, he would have gone home. Because John was making the mistake that many of us make that we think that the whole idea of of the story of Jesus is it's not really applicable to us. It's a concept, a spiritual concept that we can ascribe to. But as far as my life, it really has nothing to do with that.
1: They leave. Mary's left alone. Mary's not going anywhere. Her heart's still broken. And
0: maybe the Lord is risen, but at best her hopes would be that He had gone to be with His heavenly Father. She would never see Him again, but at least He wasn't suffering anymore. And she sat in front of the tomb crying. She pokes her head in the tomb and sees two angels.
1: And the angels say to her, Mary, why are you crying? Why are you crying? That's where we're going to spend some time right now this morning is that question, why are you crying?
0: This is why I think the resurrection matters because every single one of you, I don't know your story. I don't know your family. I don't know what is important to you. I don't know all the details of your life. But I know that just like me, there is something in your heart. There's something in your life. There's something in the world that is broken that brings you tears and grief it can be a personal thing like the loss of a loved one it can be it can be a struggle that you're going through like a health issue a financial issue a work issue it can be world events like watching the news and seeing the bloody sidewalks left from bombings in eastern europe
1: but all of us knows what it feels like to see hope be gone to wonder
0: if this whole religious thing really means anything. Sure, come to Jesus and it will change your life, but my life still is
1: hard and painful. Why are you crying? He He asked. Because they've taken my Lord. He's not here. They've taken my Lord, they've taken my hope. They've taken my Redeemer. They've taken my
0: friend. He's gone. And how many of us, in the midst of our grief, in the midst of our heartbreak, in the midst of our trials, cry out,
1: where, oh God, are you? I've lost my faith. I've lost my hope. That interchange, if if that's the only interchange there was,
0: It wouldn't really be that inspiring of a story because we're left at that point with only the information that something had happened, but no personal application to it, nothing that that brings it down to the real level.
1: But Mary has the exact same conversation except this time with someone with power and authority. She saw a man. She didn't recognize him. She went. He says, "Woman, why are you crying?"
0: And she says, "Sir, if you've taken him, just tell me where he is. I won't tell on you. I won't get you in
1: trouble. I'll go take care. I'll go get him. You can leave. We'll just pretend this never happened." Who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? I change it a little for us and say, "What are you looking for?" in that heartbreak, in that yearning, in those
0: tears. What is it you're looking for? Because so many times, it's not the thing that's going to make a difference. So many times, we, we, we dilute the, the message of God into happiness and, and, and blessings, but that's not always what God has for us. There's a richer, more abundant life that He has for you. What are you
1: looking for? At this point, she still doesn't recognize that who's talking to her is Jesus. In fact, she thought it was the gardener. I don't always dress like this. I
0: I hardly ever dress like this. (laughs) And many times when new people come to the church, especially during the week, they think I'm the custodian.
1: She didn't recognize him. The risen Lord is standing right next to her, and she didn't
0: recognize him. I, 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 I we—that belief that we have that Christ is risen from the dead. We also believe that He's given us His Holy Spirit. He also told us, "I will never leave you or forsake you." He also told you this: "I will be with you till the end of the age." Jesus is in this room right now. And He will be with you when you get in your car and He will be with you when you go to your house and He will be with you whatever you do. Jesus is around you all the time. The problem is we don't always see it, do we? He is always working around us. He's always trying to capture us and bring us back. He's always trying to remind us how important we are to Him. But we, because our eyes are fixed on our problems and our grief, we can't even see Him. And even though even though Mary Grief had the best of her, it couldn't outdo the voice of her Savior. Mary, he said, just one word, and immediately she knew. She recognized that voice. It was the same voice that had forgiven her earlier. It was the same voice that said, you can be my child. It was the same voice that said, you have a hope in the future. It was the same friend that she had spent countless nights talking to, praying with, being consoled by, she knew that voice and immediately knew she knew something was different. Because God was in a concept of a, of a person in the sky and a future that we go to sometime in the sweet by and by, but her Lord, her Savior, the power and authority, the hope of everything she had was alive and standing right next to her. That, friends, is the why of why the resurrection matters because your God the One who is with you now. The One who has been calling your name over and over. That's why we say, we say names in baptism.
1: Because our name matters to God. Your God is alive and active in your life and is with you always. Let's go to First Peter. First Peter. Peter, the disciple we all identify with. Smart to speak first, think later, apologize after that. Right? Always
0: always sort of out front, wanting to get ahead of things. Brash and bold. A few nights before this, uh, before the... The night before the crucifixion as he was at dinner with Jesus and the other disciples, Jesus had said, you're all going to turn from me and you're all going to run from me. And Peter
1: said, well, these other jokers might, but I'm not. I would never do that. I'd never do that. A few hours later, not once, not twice, but three times, I
0: don't know that man. I don't know that man. If anyone knows what it feels like to be a disappointment, if anyone knows what it feels like to have shame and grief, if anyone uh, understood the death of Christ as an ending and a death sentence, it was Peter. But the pre-resurrection Peter is different than the post-resurrection Peter. I'm going to read post-resurrection Peter. And now this res, this Peter that now has been changed by the hope of the resurrection, has been forgiven by the living Lord, has been invited into ministry, no longer just uses words to embarrass himself. He now can't get enough words out of his mouth to tell you about the glory of God. And this is what he says in his first letter to the church. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago and His Spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed Him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Here he goes. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love Him even though you've never seen Him. Though you do not see Him now, you trust Him. And you rejoice with a glorious inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting Him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were not they were told that their message were not for themselves but for you and now this good news has been announced to you by those preached by those preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Peter understood the consequences of the resurrection. Because of what Jesus did, I no longer have to live in shame. Because of what Jesus did, I'm no longer trapped by my sin. Because of what Jesus did, I don't have to have, I don't have to go visit a a tombstone. I can have the hope of a resurrection because of what Jesus did. There is an inheritance filed away for me in a place where it's never going to decay and I'm not going to have to pay capital gains tax on it. There is an inheritance pure and undefiled for me and for you. There is a joy and a hope. There is a a purpose and a meaning beyond anything that you uh, you can get anywhere else. Because Jesus is alive, everything has changed. He keeps it real with you. You're going to go through trials. And Jesus' resurrection doesn't take away the fact that the world is still hard. You're still going to have some trials. But whatever trials you go through, the reward that waits for you is nothing. Your trials are nothing compared to what awaits you. This is why in the Christian church, we can put our arms around a widow the day she's burying her husband and say, God loves you. And He will never forsake you. And you didn't say goodbye, you said, see you later. This is why you can go to a family who's lost a a child in a car accident and say, God is good, even though this is a horrible situation. This is why, even when there's war raging, we know that He holds the future in our hands, in His hands. The resurrection is not just a spiritual concept. It means that the Almighty, all-powerful God lives and reigns here on earth. He is
1: living and reigning in you. Don't settle for a substitute. Don't settle for mere happiness. Don't settle for an easy life. At the end... We're all gonna just be amazed of what the living Lord has
0: accomplished.
1: There's an old hymn and I I, I have this ongoing
0: fantasy with myself. I, I would love to be a soul preacher, right? Uh uh and, and, and preach in a black church and, 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 and work myself up and then get to the place where it's the hymn comes on and start and then, and, I, and, I, and and so This is my whole, I mean, in my mind, I see it and stuff. I'm not going to do that to you, but so just know this is my, this is my very white way of doing that. There's an old hymn uh, called Because He Lives. And the words are on the screen. And I think this is a good summary for what we've been talking about. So I invite you to sing it with us. It's not that tears are bad. It's not that you need to feel bad for having heartbreak. But did you know the Lord is alive? Did you know he's alive in you? Did you know it can change everything? It's not just a church thing. It's not just some religious thing. The living, powerful, almighty creator God is alive in you. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Let's do it one more time. Because he lives. Pray with me. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for drying our tears, from turning our mourning into dancing, our grief into celebration,
1: our hopelessness into expectation. Thank you for turning graveyards into gardens. May we be forever changed as we recognize Your presence in our life,
0: as we recognize Your voice as You speak our name. And may that empower us to serve You with joy for the rest of our days.
1: We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.